You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see everyone here. If you're uh, joining with us online, we're thankful that you're able to do that as well. And uh, speaking of giving thanks, we're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning, which we've titled, This is the Will of God for Us, or we're discovering the will of God. And, And this morning, we'll be discussing how God's will is for us to be thankful in everything as well as for us to be thankful and everything. And on that end, last week uh, we celebrated my 10-year anniversary as pastor at the gate, and so I just wanted to bring that up again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, um, I I actually wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to everyone who wrote me cards and and messages and encouraging testimonies and even gave me gifts. all those things were so wonderful to read, and my heart, along with Audrey's, were just full by the time we finished reading all of them. Uh, it, was, it was overwhelming, and, and it was amazing. Uh, so thank you so much. And, and not only were they a blessing to me, but they were also a great reminder of how incredibly thankful I am for this church and uh, for all of you and, and for what God's been doing through this congregation over the past decade. It's pretty amazing. Um, not every pastor has such a wonderful congregation to minister to like this one. And, and the truth is, I definitely wouldn't have made it 10 years without the grace of God and without all of you, without your love and your commitment. So, yes, I'm incredibly grateful for the continued opportunity to not only serve as your pastor, but also to serve alongside you in growing together as the body of Christ and being lights of Christ in this city. Um, anyways, when we were, were done reading all of these messages and notes that you guys wrote, um, my wife Audrey gave me some good advice because she knows me well. Um, she said to me, make sure that you keep all those things close by, somewhere easily accessible, so that on those days when you're feeling discouraged or feeling unsure, you can read them over and remember all that God's doing in the church and what you have to be thankful for. And, and I felt like that was pretty good advice uh, from her because there's definitely days, and, and we all have them, where, where we forget to be thankful, right? We're, we're so focused on the negative things or, or the discouraging things that are, that are happening around us that we forget what God's already given us and already done for us, especially through sending his son to redeem us. And so we, we forget to be thankful which is probably why we're reminded in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's, excuse me, it's God's will, it's God's will for us to be able to come to him and give thanks in all circumstances. We're meant to continually rejoice and give him our gratitude. And not because he needs it or because he requires it, 
but so that we never forget the source of our salvation and the source of our blessings. Um, side note here, I, kn- I know a couple of really annoying people who always seem to have such a positive outlook on life. You know who I'm talking about, right? You know, you know, and because of that, this attitude of gratefulness seems to come easily to them, right? And, and maybe you can relate to that, but, but I definitely can. I'm not naturally like that. Um, that's what makes these people annoying. I'm, I'm like, why are you so positive all the time, right? And, right, you know those people. Every, every day they, they breathe in the morning air, like, oh, life is so beautiful to them, you know, and like a Disney princess, the birds and animals gather in their lap and fold their laundry, and, and the whole world is their, their, their personal menagerie, and everything's always so amazing, right? You know who I'm talking about, but that's not me. That's not me at all. I, I certainly struggle. If I can be honest, I certainly struggle at times to find ways to, to give thanks to God in everything and, and remember that this is God's will for me. Like when I wake up in the morning with a sore neck, which was this morning, or on those Sunday afternoons when I feel like a sermon fell flat, which will be later, um, you know, when or when my kids are misbehaving, or, or asking for another snack for the hundredth time, right? Or, or when I remember that we're still dealing with, with a pandemic and, and have to face all the questions and uncertainties that that comes with, that comes with it, right? And so the, the list goes on. And to be honest, even in times of success, in times of happiness, sometimes I forget to give thanks. And we see this, especially throughout the Old Testament. God helps his people And then instead of thanking him through their worship and devotion, over time they forget him. And and then they eventually take the credit for themselves, for for what's been done. And in their newfound arrogance, they leave God out of their future decisions. No gratitude at all. And of course, it never goes well for them. In their arrogance and pride, with their misplaced confidence in themselves, they end up making bad decisions. Eventually, they lose hope. They give in to fear and intimidation when they're up against something that's bigger than them, right? They, they lose their cultural identity. They lose wars. They lose their land. They go into exile. And it works the same way for us. When we're feeling ungrateful or living in ingratitude, it, it never goes well for us. Ingratitude has this, this ability to bring us to emotional and spiritual ruin. It can cause us to live in this pit of defeat and despair where we become bitter or greedy, pessimistic, grumbling, untrusting, easily annoyed, and only able to see the negative side of things. And so, of course, once we become consumed with with ingratitude or or bitterness, it's incredibly hard to see anything outside of that miserable lens. And... Many of us are probably living in that place right now. But this this prison of ingratitude is not God's will for you. To live in Christ is to be set free from that prison. Because when our hearts are filled with thanksgiving, when when we're focused on what's good and, and lovely and pure and perfect when we're able to give thanks for what God's given us, when we're able to give thanks that we can even come into the presence of God at all, that's when we're able to proclaim in all seasons and in all circumstances, it is well with my soul. No matter what I'm going through, Lord, thank you for saving me and being with me through it all. And this attitude 
and outlook is, is precisely what God wills for us. This is why God has, as, as the Word says, given us all we need for this life and the next. We have all that we need already to be thankful in everything. And so my guess is that the Apostle Paul wrote these verses because he wants to, us to remember this truth in every circumstance and season, that, that in Christ, the things that God's done, given, and promised for us, or, or rather all the things that we have to be grateful for, far outweigh anything that we could, we could grumble or be ungrateful about. So that as the song says, when peace like a river attendeth our way, or even if sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever our lot, we can say it is well with my soul. So, so to give thanks then isn't just good manners. Right? We teach our kids good manners. Make sure you say thank you, right? It's not just good manners, biblically speaking. It's not just a, a good suggestion to live our lives by. It's actually necessary for us for, for both our spiritual well-being and for persevering through the many seasons of life. It's for our souls. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. Um, turn with me to Luke 17, 11 to 19. Luke 17, 11 to 19. It says this, while traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Or as some translations say, your faith has made you well. So, again, out of, out of ten men who were healed from leprosy, it's a horrible flesh-eating disease, only one turned around and came back to Jesus to thank him. And of course, Jesus was shocked. He's like, wait, wasn't there, wasn't there ten of you? And only one came back to praise God for being healed? And it's a foreigner even, a Samaritan, no less. The fact that this is a true story and, and wasn't just one of Jesus' parables says a lot about the human tendency to be ungrateful. The human tendency to be ungrateful to one another, but especially to God. But yet, we see here that the one who was grateful actually received the better reward. Jesus looks at him and says, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Of course, this man was already physically well because Jesus had healed him only minutes before, which means this wellness Jesus was referring to was something even greater 
and more eternal than physical health. He was made well in his soul. His faith has, had saved him. As, as Eric Demeter writes, the, the unfortunate result was that 90% of the lepers missed the second, more important gift Jesus had planned for them. To the lone, grateful Samaritan, he responded, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Even more important than physical health, this person's spiritual life had been restored. So, so first of all, this, this lone man models for us the only logical and emotional response there is to experiencing the healing and saving grace of Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. Rejoicing and, and giving glory to God. And secondly, the result of his thanksgiving was that he was made well. The nine lepers, they, they got what they wanted from Jesus, and they ran off into the sunset. They got their material blessing, which is often what we selfishly desire, right? We get our blessing, and then we're gone. We don't really want God. We want the thing that he's giving us. But it was only the man who returned and looked to Jesus and fell at his, at, at his feet with gratitude. It was only him who received a better and eternal blessing of spiritual renewal. So, so gratitude directed to God for what Jesus has done for us then not only reminds us of God's grace and presence in all circumstances, but, but also permits it to be activated in our lives. Right? Bitterness and ingratitude, they, they build a wall against God. But when we humble ourselves before him and acknowledge him, in all that we do and in everything we have and all that we're involved in, we're also inviting him to work in and through it all. On another, on another different level, scientifically and practically speaking, researchers are finding that having hearts and minds of gratitude is actually good for us physically, mentally, and psychologically as well even. And God knows this. He created us after all. I have a list there. Yeah, there it is. And in fact, you know, studies have shown that, that, that being constantly mindful and giving thanks makes us, as humans, more positive. So, you know, we're less needy or whiny. We see the good and helpful side of things, right? Having a heart of gratitude makes it easier to persevere and stand firm through trials or unexpected circumstances that come our way. It makes us less envious or, or greedy. And in our contentment, we're actually able, better able to give generously and lift others up because we're not worried about ourselves, right? And gratitude often makes us physically and psychologically healthier as well, right? We sleep better. We laugh harder. We have a healthier blood pressure and immune systems. We're more empathetic. We make friends easier. We make wiser choices. We're more approachable. We're more selfless. We're less prone to mood swings. We're happier, so obviously, we can see it's, it's better to be thankful rather than to be in the pit of despair and bitterness, right? The cure for unhappiness is gratitude. And God's given us a source of eternal gratitude in Jesus Christ, who always satisfies, as we've already been reminded of throughout this series. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us why those nine lepers didn't come back to thank him. But we can definitely highlight some, some gratitude killers in our lives. And I'm going to do that right now. 
And on that end, if you have a good memory, you might remember that I've, I've, I've preached something similar to this about a year ago, but it's good to be reminded of these gratitude killers in our lives so that we can pinpoint uh, where our hearts are at and, and so that we can repent and allow the Spirit to sanctify us and make the necessary adjustments. And so as I go through this list, you know, check your own heart. See if, see if that resonates with you, and, and, and that can be something that you, that you can repent of as well. So the first gratitude killer that I want to mention is entitlement. Entitlement. This is a big one. This is a very popular one these days, so I don't need to go into detail about it. But basically, if we think we deserve what, we, what we've been given, we won't say thank you. We'll say took you long enough, right? Or we'll complain if we don't get it. That's entitlement. But, it, but in contrast to that, having a heart of, of gratitude crushes any sense of entitlement especially when we can acknowledge that, that all we've been given is an undeserved gift and by God's grace alone, not because we had it coming or because we earned it. So the first gratitude killer is entitlement. The second one, another gratitude killer, which is similar, is, is pride. It's pride, which often leads to forgetfulness as well. James 4 verse 6 says, But the Holy Spirit gives more grace, Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So really, it could also be said that it's the proud who oppose God, or that it's the proud who forget God and give themselves the credit, like the Israelites tended to do at times. But in contrast to that, when, when we lift our eyes in gratitude to God, acknowledging our lives and, and blessings as gifts from Him, acknowledging that he's the one doing all the work, it, it humbles us and allows God to continue to bless us and work his will in us. Ultimately, when we thank God, we're, rightfully, we're rightly boasting in Christ and not ourselves. Another gratitude killer is, is misplaced or false expectations. Right? If you expect something and it, and it doesn't happen, then you can, you can be angry about that. Right? You'll, be, you'll have ingratitude. For example, if you expected it to be sunny out, but it's raining, you'll be disappointed and then subsequently unable to be thankful for the day the Lord has made. Right? It, or if you think God's desire is chiefly for your, your personal happiness and pleasure over and above everybody else's, you'll be pretty upset when you go through hard times or trials that are meant to maybe sanctify you. Or if you listen to, you know, a prosperity gospel sermon or something, you might start to expect God to make you a millionaire or grant you all your wishes, hashtag favor, right? Well, well, well you're going to become pretty frustrated and ungrateful to God for not following through with those false expectations, right? But, but instead, in contrast to that, read your Bible, Find out who God really is and what his promises really are. And then as you do, you'll, you'll learn to become more thankful as you see and experience those promises fulfilled in your life. So misplaced expectations. Another, number four, another gratitude killer is discontentment. Discontentment, right? Obvious. If you're not grateful with what you have, you're always going to want more. 
No matter how many shoes you buy, you'll always want just one more pair, right? With my, my son, no matter how many Pokemon cards he has, he always wants one more pack, right? No matter what God does for us, we'll always be looking for the, just that one more blessing or that, just that one more sign or that one more miracle to satisfy. But on the flip side, giving thanks to God is to recognize, like the leper, that everything we've been given is beyond generous. And it's more than enough. God doesn't have to give us good things, but he does. And he knows exactly what we need. So how could we ever think to say that, that what he's given us isn't enough? The cross itself is enough. His presence is enough. And everything else is a bonus. And we remind ourselves of this every time we rejoice and give thanks to him. Number five on that, and another gratitude killer is, of course, difficult circumstances. You know, maybe seasons of trial or defeat or sorrow. And, and I want to take this moment to, to clarify again that these verses aren't telling us to give thanks for all circumstances. Right? We're not meant to give thanks for all circumstances. Rather, it says God's will is for us to give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. Of course, we're not going to give thanks for things like evil or sickness or loss. So a theology of thanksgiving that, that doesn't allow for simultaneous emotions of lament and sorrow or even questions is simply unrealistic. In Christ, we can be both thankful and sorrowful at times. As it says in Philippians 4, 6-7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we see that you have the heart of thanksgiving, but you also have your, your, your petitions and your requests and your anxieties that you're bringing to God. right? And then when you do bring them to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the reason we're told to give thanks in everything isn't to deny all the feelings that we have, right? But it's so that we're drawn to God in the midst of what we're going through. So that we lean on Him and on His faithfulness. So that we remember who He is and what He's done. And we can be confident in what He's going to do. So that in the midst of our anxiety and sorrow, we can remember to trust the Lord for his peace, his guidance, his comfort, for his strength and the faith to persevere. And even for sanctifying us through it, which as we learned a couple weeks ago, is, is what he wills for us as well. And ultimately, we can, we can thank the Lord that because of his victory over sin and death, we have the hope that one day all the suffering will end. So we can thank him for that as well. Number six, just two more here. Number six, another gratitude killer is bitterness. Bitterness, whether we're mad at someone, angry at God, unable to forgive, frustrated with life's many defeats, feeling betrayed, let down by God maybe. Whatever the cause is, bitterness keeps us from being grateful. It imprisons us in that pit of ungratefulness. 
It blinds us to anything we should and can be grateful for and subsequently keeps our heart focused on everything that we can complain about. But as I said earlier, when when we choose to give thanks for what Jesus has done, we're allowing God, by his grace, to reorient and, and soften our hearts. Number seven, and finally, another gratitude killer is comparison. Comparison. You know, when we start to compare what we have or measure up our looks or our lot in life with someone else, right? When we think the grass is, is greener on the other side, it causes us to be envious or jealous. And it's, it's impossible to be grateful when we think other people have in us. It's impossible to, to be grateful for God's calling and purpose in your life if you think someone else's calling and purpose is better or more important. Of course, this issue is perpetuated by our social media culture. Right, Every time we log on to Instagram, we, we see perfect families with perfect kids, with perfect bodies, with perfect homes. And even though we, we know it's all staged and we know it's fake, we still feel like garbage and we still feel ungrateful that we don't have a perfect life like other people do. Right, And, and this type of envy or jealousy can make us resent our marriages or our kids or our jobs or our church or our lot in life. Instead, we need to find our value in, in Christ. When we give thanks to him, we're reminded that we're a child of God. In him, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. In him, we have purpose and grace that our security, our our identity, our sense of worth is found only in his eyes and in his love. So with all, all, all this being said, instead of being overcome with, with ingratitude for whatever reason, let's, let's choose to give thanks to God for Christ Jesus in everything. This is the will of God for us. Like the leper, he wants us to be well. And of course, this this list wasn't exhaustive. So in in the same way that we don't know why the nine lepers didn't come back to say thank you, I have no idea what might be keeping you from giving thanks to God this morning or at times throughout your week. So I encourage you to examine your own hearts in this and then ask God in faith to, to, to remove and forgive and, and set you free from anything preventing you from giving thanks. And, and he will. He wants you to be well. He wants you to come to him in all circumstances. And if you're finding it hard to give thanks, just do it anyway. Just find something to give thanks for. The fact that, you're, that you woke up this morning the fact that you, you have food on your plate, that you get to come to church. Just thank him for something, and you'll find that he'll start to reorient and soften your heart. Because it's only when our hearts are filled with thanksgiving for Jesus that we find deep satisfaction and contentment. In other words, above all, we need to recognize that having a heart of gratitude is as as Eric Demeter again writes, it's not about looking at the bright side of things, and it's not even acknowledging that things could be worse. Our thankfulness is never to be based on a set of circumstances. It's based on a person. To know Jesus should fill our hearts with gratitude. 
And we're told to give thanks for Christ in, in everything so that nothing can make us forget it, so that nothing can tear us away from, from, from it or, or bring us down into despair or, or, or hopelessness or bitterness. And on that end, even if we, we find ourselves with nothing in this world, Jesus should still be enough to fill our hearts with thanksgiving. Just ask the disciples who, who, who are rotting in prison and yet chose to sing psalms and prayers of thanksgiving to him. Their circumstances weren't well, but with their hearts set on Jesus, they were. The truth is that, you know, Christians in third world countries facing persecution and, and hunger are often more joyful and thankful than we are. Figure that out. So again, finding gratitude isn't just about counting up our material things. It isn't defined by our circumstances or, or status in this world. It's not, it's not even really about being able to see the silver linings in things. It's about Jesus, who loves us, who gives us the victory who gives us our daily bread, who suffers with us, who comforts with us, who defeated our sin and death at the cross, who has gone before us, who gives us his spirit and all things pertaining to life and death and gives us a sure promise of future hope. That, that should be enough for, to have us on our knees in thanksgiving for all eternity. And it is because this is the will of God for us. Amen.